The beginning part of this amazing message from Michael Ogle got cut off. We will begin about 7 minutes and 29 seconds into his message. Enjoy. Snake, and it eats both the magician's snakes, right? And then God's like, hey, Moses, pick the stick up. And Moses is like, but it's a snake. And God's like, I know, I know. And so I can like, if it was me, anyway, I'd be like, okay. And I grab the tail, and it turns into a stick again. And you're like, I knew it was going to be a stick the whole time. And so he's like, got the stick. So th- that's like the first time. Um, and then they get outside, and uh, they're, they're walking, and they're going to the Red Sea. And they get to the Red Sea. Remember, the people of Israel are complaining the whole time. And so Moses takes the stick again. God says, hey, hold up your staff. Now it's a staff. It's a stick. And so Moses holds up his stick staff. And, and he holds it out, and, and God parts the Red Sea. And then they get through the Red Sea. Um, the Egyptian army doesn't get through the Red Sea. They all die. Um, they didn't show that part because it was maybe at PG-13 in Disney movies. That doesn't work. So they, they get through the Red Sea. And then the people of Israel, like, seriously, if you just got freed from 400 years of slavery, and then you walked through uh, a huge sea, and it was dry, you, you'd think you'd have, like, a couple days of, like, street cred with the people. You know, hey, don't... Quit, quit like busting my back for a minute, you know, we just, we're, we're free, but they don't, so they get really ticked again, and uh, they're like really thirsty, hey Moses, same bit, we're gonna die out here in the desert, he's like, be quiet, and so God, God says, hey Moses, hit that rock with your stick, and God's like, Moses like, what kind of freaking stick is this, <laughs> okay, boom, he hits the stick, and the people were complaining that they were thirsty, and, uh, and water like comes like spewing out of this rock, and so like all the people of Israel like drink this water. So this is like, it's like a really cool stick staff, you know? So here's the deal. God doesn't like live in the stick staff. Here's what the stick staff, the staff of Moses, the staff of God represents, represents God's favor on his people. He he, he he gives them a tangible sign. Hey, this is my favor. I'm with you. I'm going to bless you. This thing's going to be all right. I have something awesome promised for you. And so Moses has the stick staff. So that, that's pretty much catching up to where we are. And then, so now we're in chapter 17. The whole book of Exodus is this story. Um, the people of Israel are going from Egypt to the promised land. And the, the book of Exodus is pretty much, you know, following them. Uh, scholars tell us it's a two-week journey from Egypt to the promised land. Guess how long it takes the people of Israel? You said it before I called in you, Chad. I'm just kidding. It, but it was right. It was right. 40 years. It's a two-week journey. They get, like, ultimately lost. Like, could you imagine that? Like, ultimately lost. They didn't really get lost. Like, God made them lost because they were kind of being jerks. Um, but imagine that they're on this, this journey, and the journey is from Las Vegas to L.A. They've been, like, ticked off, like, five times already, and they're not even to Prim yet, okay? Like, so, so th- that's where we are in the story. And so they go, and, and, and they meet these people, the the people of Amalek, the Amalekites, okay? I think that's the right name. If it's not, they're not around anymore, so you can't blame me. Um, so they're going, and these people are nomadic people. And, and they come up, and they are fighting the people of Israel. And so Moses goes with his stick staff. And he's like, got it. And so he goes to Joshua. Joshua's a brand new guy on the scene. He's going to be a huge deal throughout the Bible, and specifically in this whole journey to the promised land. Joshua's going to be a huge deal. But this is one of the first times he pops on the scene. So Moses goes to Joshua. He's like, hey, I need you to get some guys because we're going to fight these people tomorrow. And I'm going to go up on the hill and I'm going to have the stick staff. And so as soon as he's like, hey, I got the stick staff, Joshua's like, Psst, we got this. this is cool. We're cool. We're good. Stick staff. We got the day. And so he says, hey, go pick some people. And Moses heads up this hill. 
and he takes two guys with him. If, I don't know if you guys are fans of sports. I know Alex Strabla is. Um, so here's the deal. If, if, if we're talking about sports here, Joshua, starting quarterback. Alex sucks at sports. You guys don't like that joke. <laughs> Unless it's ping pong. Um, so Joshua, right? Joshua, starting quarterback. Starting quarterback, we know what a quarterback is. He's a guy that uh, gets the ball from the other guy, and then he throws it to the guy that scores the touchdowns. Right, unless there's like a, a lateral, then he's the guy that gives the ball to the guy who gives the ball to the guy who scores the touchdowns. Now we got it. Okay, so Joshua, starting quarterback. Moses, he's the coach. He's like the head coach. He's like the leader. Joshua, warrior. Moses, leader. The other two guys, Aaron and a guy named Her. What? Um, Aaron. Aaron would be like the offensive coordinator. That's like a really obscure position that none of you know what it is. Basically, um, they wear headsets now. They didn't used to wear headsets. He's the guy who sits up in the booth and watches the whole game and says, hey, now I should call this play. And her, her might as well be like the water boy. Seriously, he gets like short into the stick all the way. Her gets the short end of the stick. Um, so we have these four guys. Here's what I love about this story. Moses... Leader, Joshua, leader, Aaron, leader, her, kind of nobody. Kind of bad, yeah, I know that sounds kind of bad. Not really bad. Every one of us in this room can identify with every one of these people. I think that's super cool. Moses, Joshua, is out there fighting the battle. He's in the midst of it, fighting the battle. Moses is up on the hill. And he has the stick staff. And, and when Moses holds his staff up, I think, I, I imagine it's kind of like, you know, everybody seen Lord of the Rings? You know in the second one when they're in Helm's Deep and they're losing and then Gandalf comes up over the hill and he's like, and he's got the thing and immediately all the orcs turn around because a guy on a horse shows up and they turn around and he's blinded and then, you know, Gendel and uh, Orlando Bloom, whatever his name is, <laughs> Legolas, that's it. They like, they like take over, you know? Um, and so that, that's what I imagine that this scene's like. It's probably not like this scene, um, but Moses holds his staff up, and God says, I'm blessing you guys, and as long as your hand is held up, Moses, you guys are winning the day. But then Moses, I'm not sure if he's old, I'm not sure. I mean, you know when you're in class and you just like hold your hand up, and you like keep doing that? I imagine that's what's going on. And Moses is trying his hardest to hold this staff up, but he just can't hold the staff up. So he switches hands, then his other hand gets tired, and then once one hand's tired, you're done, right? So, so here's what happens. That they're losing Moses' staff down. They don't, it's not a cool chair from Ikea like this, but they get him a rock. Maybe the rock's from Ikea. It's before Ikea, so I don't know where it's from. Can't verify that. <laughs> so they sit Moses down, and Aaron and her raise his hands up. And Aaron and her hold Moses' hands up. Moses holds the stick staff until the sun goes down. They take the day all day. How cool is that? Like, when Moses holds the staff up, winning when Moses pulls the staff down not winning like it's as simple as that you think there's like these great military strategies but God's like here's the here's the plan Moses hold up that stick okay what do we do after that no no just just keep it hold just just hold it up and then it's all gonna work like that that's the plan I'm sure that's not the plan there's probably some more details that we're missing there but that's pretty much the plan and so Moses wears out and these guys hold the staff up Joshua is this guy that everybody wants to follow. Joshua is this guy who's going to take over when Moses' Moses leadership is done. Joshua is the starting quarterback. He gets all the press. 
like everybody loves Joshua. When the battle's over that day and they come back into camp, Joshua's getting all the high fives. Dude, way to go. You're the warrior. You're the one who led us to victory. Moses is like the president. He's the head coach. When he comes back to the camp that day, Moses, great leadership, man. I know we were kind of bummed on you earlier because we all thought we were going to die, but we didn't die. You led us to victory again. You're our leader. We love you. You're awesome. All kind of high fives. Aaron. Aaron was Moses' mouthpiece. Moses uh, didn't want to speak. He didn't like to speak. A lot of people think he had a stutter. He just didn't want to talk in front of people. So Aaron became Moses' mouthpiece. Um, And then Aaron became the high priest of the people of Israel. He was like the whole people's pastor. So Aaron comes back in and he's like, hey, seriously, dudes, let's let's take a minute, like time out. Everybody get on one knee. Let's all Tebow. Let's thank Jesus for this thing, right? That's who Aaron is. So Aaron's getting all kind of high fives. Then I just imagine her. And even in the Bible, it says, Moses and Aaron, Moses, Aaron, comma, and her. I can just imagine like her at the end of the day, going back to his tent. Anybody's giving him high fives. This is the first time he's mentioned in the Bible. He's mentioned a couple other times, but, but super short, like nothing. We don't know very much about this her guy at all. She goes back to his tent. I feel like in the room, I know we can identify, and we'll get into that in just a minute. Like, we can identify with all these people. But I feel like a lot of days, I'm not a warrior. I'm not fighting. I'm not a leader. I'm not a politician. I'm not leading a country for sure. I'm not a pastor. And I feel like sometimes we think those kind of things. Everybody's not a warrior. Everybody's not some fantastic leader. Everybody's not a pastor. Everyone in this room can be a hand raiser. Everybody in this room can hold somebody else up. That's what her did. The unsung hero of the whole day. There's four characters in this story. Well, I guess there's some more if you count like the Amalekites, um, but we're not counting them. There's four characters. There's four names in this story, and each one of them are of incredible importance. Without Joshua, no one's fighting. You can't win battles if no one fights. Without a leader, you don't know what the heck you're doing, and you get lost for worse than 40 years. Um, Without a pastor, no one's speaking into your life spiritually. Nothing's going to happen. And we think those are the big deals, but if somebody's not supporting you, if somebody's not holding you up, you're dead in the water. Um, I like it. It's a little bit of an alliteration, kind of, um, but I like this statement a whole lot. Um, so if you write stuff down, you can feel free to write this down. If not, I won't be offended. Guys like her might be invisible, but they are also invaluable. People supporting you, and maybe you sometimes, might be invisible, or you might seem invisible but you are invaluable. Um, If if this passage speaks to me in any way, it speaks to doing the small things. Her wasn't a great leader, but her was super available and he was super ready to get involved. Mother Teresa said this. I love Mother Teresa. Um, She says, we can't do great things, only small things with great love. I love the idea of her just saying, man, I don't know what, I'm, I, don't know what I can do here, um, but I'll do whatever it needs to be done. I'll follow Moses up a hill and I'll hold his hands up. I'll be after the comma. I won't be at the front. If I don't get high fives, oh well. But I can be a hand raiser. If this passage speaks to me in any way, it speaks to me about the idea of community. I'm a huge, huge proponent of community. 
Life change doesn't happen you sitting in that seat, listening to someone sitting in this seat talk at you. Life change happens when you go into a room or you go into someone's house or you go grab a cup of coffee or you go grab a meal and you sit and you talk about what God's doing in your life. It's so cool to me um, that every one of us are in all of these spots. Sometimes, man, everybody in this room, if not now, very soon, you're gonna be fighting a crazy battle. And it might not be dependent on how good you are. It might be dependent on somebody else. Everyone in here is fighting a battle, but sometimes every one of us is on a hill and we're leading somebody. And we're trying our best to encourage someone to keep going. Every person in this room can be some kind of pastor to somebody, can speak into someone's life spiritually and help them grow. And everyone in this room can be a hand raiser. But everyone in this room needs a hand raiser. Everyone in this room needs someone to speak into their life spiritually. Everyone in this room needs someone to lead them on purpose. And everyone in this room needs somebody to go to bat for them. And we can never see what um, that, that one position is. Because I can tell you there's people in this room that, man, when I've been in battle, when I've been going through big fights in my life, I've called guys like Jeff Corhonan and like Jason Jones. I've called guys like Aaron Garcia and Tom. I wouldn't be sitting where I am um, right here if when I was in your seat, Heath Esslinger and Stan Gibson and Jake Stum hadn't spoken into my life. I couldn't be uh, where I am without those people pouring their life into me. But I also couldn't be where I am today if guys like Todd Stevenson and Logan Durham weren't right beside me in high school holding my hands up when I couldn't do it anymore. And they wouldn't be where they are if I wasn't holding their hands up. We go at these fights sometimes and we try to live our Christianity out and we do it on an island and every single time we fail because God didn't create us to do things by ourselves. God created us to live in community. And if you take one guy out of this story, the outcome is not the same. And if you're not living in community, you're not gonna be winning battles. If you're not living in community, you're not gonna experience all that God wants for you. Practically, how does this apply? Live your life in community. At every point in your life, you should be able to say, there's somebody on a hill with their hands up cheering me on. And, and for me, that, that's those guys. Man, I can always call Jake Stum. I can always go grab coffee with Jason Jones. I can always go hang out with Jeff Corhonan. And I can say, man, I feel like I'm all alone down here fighting this battle. And they can say, you know, with the stick staff, uh, you know, one of those kind of things. They can, they can say, man, I've been where you are. And from up here, from further away, from farther back, I have such a better vantage point than you do. And if you'll watch out for these things, and if you'll do these things, you can love Jesus better. And you can be a better man. And you can follow God and get all that he wants for you. But I've also been on this side. And I've looked down into guys' lives like Cameron Cornish, or like Cole McCormick, or like a lot of guys that have been in my small group. And I've looked down and I said, listen, dude, um, I'm not better at this Christianity thing than you are. I've just been doing it a little bit longer. I'm a little bit further down the road than you are. And if you watch out for this, and if you watch out for that, then dude, you can run so much further and so much faster than I ever did or than I could ever think about. But sometimes we try to do it on our own. And, and we're saying, man, I, I, don't, I don't wanna, I don't wanna live in, in community like that. 
but I've also been the person that stands right here and holds somebody's arms up. I've been the person who stood beside um, or who sat in the seat while a guy like Ben or a guy like Patrick or a guy like Todd or a guy like Logan held my arms up. And then we've all switched places and somebody's held me up and I've held them up and we've walked in community because in community, we can see God so much better. In community, every time I fall, someone is there to pick me back up. In community, I can lock arms with somebody and really say, man, I'm not in this thing alone. Here's the challenge for you tonight. Who's pouring into your life? I hope that's your small group leader. I hope that's someone in your family. Who are you asking tough questions to? Hey man, I'm in a world of hurt. I'm fighting battles that I am not prepared to win. Can you help me? And the person standing on the hill is there to go through it with you. But not just that. Who are you standing on the hill for? And you say, Micah, maybe I've just been a Christian a year. I've been a Christian two years, maybe. Well, dude, find someone who hasn't been a Christian as long as you. Find someone who just started this thing and say, listen, I'm not great at this thing. I'm not perfect, um, but I know that I fell in this hole really big. And somebody standing on that further hill up there that you don't know yet, but maybe one day you're going to know when they get down here and when, they, when they're on your hill and, and, and you're listening to them, you can say, man, I was right there where you are. And if you'll watch out for this, man, you can run so much further and so much faster and chase God so much harder. But also make sure that there's people beside you. And that when you feel like you can't hold your arms up anymore, when you can't cheer any louder, when you can't go any harder, there's people holding your arms up. And make sure that there's people holding your arms up so that when you're saying, man, I can't walk one more step, can you help me? Can you walk right beside me? Can you walk this thing with me? And as I grow closer to Jesus, you grow closer to Jesus, we can push each other to love God more. And if you have those three relationships in your life, someone pouring into you, someone walking beside you, locking arms, and someone that you're pouring into, I can't tell you how much more of God you will experience and how much, not easier, your Christianity will be, but how much more fulfilling. And when you fall and when it hurts and when you feel like you can't go on anymore, there's people, sometimes they're like lovingly picking you up and sometimes they're like kicking you in the butt. Like, hey, get on, seriously. We're going after this thing and we're not stopping because everything inside me sometimes feels like I'm just trash. I can't do this anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. But then guys come alongside me and lock arms and say, no, dude, we're not stopping here. We're going for this thing. A life of faithfulness, even... Uh, when no one else notices, a life of faithfulness produces generational impact. If you turn over, um, you don't have to because we're not going to read anything. But later, if you turn over um, to, right now we're in Exodus 17, if you turn over to Exodus 31, there's this guy that comes on the scene, um, and his name um, is Belzazel. Fun name, right? Belzazel. Um, Belzazel. Um, and they are building a tabernacle, they're building a place. Um, to meet with God. They're building their form of a church building to come in. It's where God's going to reside. It's where they're going to meet with God. A lot of people, and, and Belzazel is the guy that builds that tabernacle. A lot of people believe that this guy is the guy that built the Ark of the Covenant, a place for a long time where God's presence resided and where man would go to meet with God. You know who this guy is? This guy is the grandson of her. Her never was in the spotlight. Her didn't get too many high fives. A couple generations later, 
a master artisan comes. And this guy's name means the shadow of God. I can just imagine her being in the shadows a whole lot. But then Belzazel comes out of those shadows, those same shadows. He says, man, you can thank me or not because I saw a great example. And when my grandfather um, didn't get the spotlight, when my grandfather didn't get all the high fives, he walked with God and he loved Jesus. And so no matter how I feel right now, I've seen someone go before me and his face has now transferred to me and I can follow God no matter the circumstances. We have no idea the impact that the lives we're living right now will make. If you don't live in community, you won't experience everything that God has for you. And even though right now you might feel invisible, when you're beside somebody and when you're raising someone's hand, what you're doing is completely invaluable. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much um, for stories of people that aren't rock stars. God, a lot of days, uh, a lot of us in this room don't feel at all like rock stars. God, I know I don't. God, a lot of times I feel like I'm great at messing up. Um, I'm great at not living everything that you have planned for me. But God, I thank you for stories of people who do very simple things, but do them radically. God, I pray that you would take the people in this room and you would make them hand raisers for people all around them. God, I pray that you would take people in this room and help them encourage others to keep going. God, I pray for people right now who are in battles. God, would you give them people that can help them win those victories? God, I pray for people who are leading right now. Would you give them your wisdom as they pour into others and as they lead others? God, I pray for people that are just holding someone's arm up. God, would you give them great boldness and great faith to know that what they're doing is invaluable. God, I thank you for the people that have poured into my life to this point. You guys are gonna play a couple songs. And here's what I would love for you to do. I would love for you to just wrestle with God. I would love for you to talk to God for a minute. If you want to come up here and kneel at this altar and just do business with God, pour your heart out, feel free to do that. But don't rush past a moment where God wants to talk to you. Don't just say, okay, now the message is over, now we can get to singing again. Nothing that I said is important. What's important is that God wants to speak to you right now. So I pray that you wouldn't rush past that moment. Maybe tonight for you is I need to grab a journal and I need to write down some names of people that I can call and walk beside. I need to grab a journal and figure out, God, who, who are you putting in my life right now that can speak into me? God, who are you putting in my life right now that I can speak into? Maybe that's your response tonight. Maybe tonight you're saying, Micah, uh, all this was kind of weird because I don't even know what this Christianity thing's about. Um, we're going to be in the back. There's going to be some leaders in the back. We would love to talk to you. 
and introduce you to Jesus. If you don't know Jesus, nothing that we said tonight, nothing that we're gonna do tonight is gonna make a bit of sense. But let me tell you that God loves you like crazy. And more than anything in the world, he wants a relationship with you. And if you come to the back and you say, I need, I have some questions or I wanna know Jesus, we can lead you through what it means to follow Jesus or we can just answer some questions. If you need somebody to pray with you, we're gonna be back in the back. Um, But right now, don't rush past what God wants to do um, and just let God speak to you tonight.